If you're a pastor, elder, deacon, nonprofit board member, or business owner, I need you to listen to this. K&K Furnishings needs to be on your shortlist. K&K Furnishings are committed to helping you find the right furnishings for your church or organization. These guys specialize in quality worship seating, welcome centers, cafes, nurseries, classrooms, as well as stage and podium furnishings. The two owners have over 70 years of combined pastoral experience, so not only will every transaction be handled with integrity and professionalism, but they have the experience to provide you with the perfect solutions for your furniture needs, and they absolutely understand your budget constraints and demands. K&K Furnishings are devoted to providing you quality pieces that save you money. They can do this because they don't have the overhead of a brick and mortar store, and they have relationships with over 200 manufacturers nationwide. Look, we all know there's a lot of junk out there. K&K understands that many times bargains aren't true money savers. They end up costing you more in the long run. At K&K, they believe that quality furnishings don't have to be outrageously expensive. And here's the best part. K&K Furnishings sells nationally and can also provide in-person consultations in Michigan, Ohio, and Indiana. If you can't meet in person, they'd be happy to set up a Zoom consultation for you today. So whatever your next project is, whether it's your home office or your church sanctuary, K&K Furnishings is the only place you need to look. Go to www.kkfurnishings.com to see how they can help you or call 567-318-4520. That's www.kkfurnishings.com or call 567-318-4520 or click on the link in the description of this episode. K&K Furnishings, furnishing business, education, worship, and hospitality for the glory of God. Hey guys, before we get into this week's episode, I got to tell you about Jacob's Supply. Jacob's Supply is the place you got to go for all of your material needs. These guys bring you construction supplies and appliances for up to 50% off retail price, all brand new. You a home builder, need some lumber? Jacob's Supply has you covered. You a deacon at your church and you're in charge of that next Narthex floor job? Jacob's Supply has got you. Heck, they got Cortec Luxury Vinyl Plank right now for $3.59 a square foot. Go look that stuff up at Lowe's or Home Depot, man. That stuff is selling for $7 to $8 a square Square foot. That's over 50% off retail. Even if you just have some home projects you're working on, Jacob Supply is the place for you. I just built an outdoor grilling area this spring for that old smoker and grill. Guess where I got the metal roof, lumber, and screws? Yeah, that's right, Jacob Supply. Looking for a fridge, stove, washer, dryer? They got them all and their name brand Samsung, Bosch, Frigidaire, all 20, 30, 40% off retail. Brand new and ready for you. Located in Temperance, Michigan, it's worth it to stop by even if you're a few hours away. And remember, Jacob Supply can ship products now. Nationally too. So even if you're out of state, you got to check them out. Follow them on Facebook at Jacob Supply or call them direct at 734-224-0978. That's 734-224-0978. Remember, Jacob Supply, quality building materials at wholesale prices. And now on to the show. Hey guys, before we get into this episode with Leighton Flowers, I just wanted to make a few comments. Um, when I posted a picture of him being on the podcast down at the Y Calvinism Conference, I got many, many comments and private messages. Oh man, I bet you really took it to him. You guys probably argued. And it really wasn't that type of episode. Um, I truly wanted Leighton to come on to just explain why he left Calvinism after 10 years, because um, I hadn't really seen that many videos of him really explaining that in depth. So if you were expecting fireworks or an argument or, you know, uh, a thumb wrestling war or something like that, you're not going to see it or hear it on this episode. 
just because I really just want to take 15, 20 minutes and say, well, what led you out of Calvinism? Because some of the same things that led him out of Calvinism were some of the verses that took me into the Reformed doctrines of grace and things like that. So I just found it interesting that we could have two different perspectives on the same verse, um, the ones that led me into Reformed theology, Calvinistic theology, and he's saying those took him out. So this is only about a 20 or 25-minute episode, um, and it's mostly him telling us that uh, there's really— not a lot of pushback from me. Now, if we do want to see uh, Leighton and I talk about our differences, um, let me know. Uh, listen to the episode, send me a message, and we see if we can get him back on and we can get into a further, deeper discussion of our theological differences. So just wanted to say that up front. Um, so enjoy the episode, guys. Here we go. Exploring theology, doctrine, and all of the fascinating subjects in between, broadcasting from an undisclosed location. Dead Men Walking starts now. Well, hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Dead Men Walking Podcast. I'm your host, Greg Moore. Not quite undisclosed this week. We're still coming from Tullahoma, Tennessee, the Y Calvinism Conference. As always, you can check us out at dmwpodcast.com. Go there and uh, learn a little bit more about us. Check out the merch store. Support the show. Well... Uh, special guest, we're going to get right into it. We don't have a whole lot of time right now. We're going to do a short segment. I have Mr. Leighton Flowers. How are you, sir? Doing very well. Thank you. Showed up to the Why Calvinism uh, Conference. Why, I, why not? I, why, why not? I absolutely love it. Uh, we, we got to have dinner, uh, I think, was I don't know, the days are running together. Maybe it was yesterday, day before. And um, it was just a good time of fellowship. Now, I have a, a special relationship to where... Um, I was watching some of the stuff you were doing, debating like, like with James White years ago before you were cool and hip. Um, I've never been cool and hip. Okay, well, then that's, that's my kid, that's my four kids. Trust me. <laughs> I'm in the same boat. Okay, <laughs> uh, I got teenagers. Uh, so um, it, it's been really interesting, and I'm not going to do most of the talking, but it's really really interesting to kind of see that what you've kind of crafted online and your ministry and things like that. But I just wanted to have you on to quickly talk about. Well, first, let's for those who don't know you, give us a little one minute intro, who you are and what you do, and then we want to talk a little bit about your journey from Calvinism into provision provisionalism and and kind of how that went yeah well my name is Leighton Flowers I'm the director of evangelism and apologetics for Texas Baptist that's my real job (laughs) Uh, my my nine to fiver that's what I've been doing for years prior to ever starting the podcast I didn't just come into existence in 2014 (laughs) that's just when people begin to hear about me because I started the podcast okay Um, I had left Calvinism and felt that there was kind of a void online on this subject and so I started to, to produce this material in order to kind of fill that void what I felt like was a void of scholarly robust and answers to Calvinism's interpretation of Scripture, as well as more of a positive presentation for what we believe about the love and provision of God. And so most people know me online, especially in your broadcast, your audience would know me from Sociology 101, 101, that I created really separately to keep it from overrunning my evangelism and apologetics page and the things that I do in my real world, because this is an in-house debate. It's among Mm -hmm. brothers and sisters. 
and and it can be contentious. It can sure. uh, overrun a page if it's kept all together. And so, you know, Dr. White's ministry has a ton of different, uh, you know, apologetic works that he, he does. But Sociology 101 is different because I'm an evangelist and an apologist on this on, uh, separately. Okay. And, and, and a dom- non- denominational worker, teaching pastor, those kinds of things, a Trinity Seminary professor. And so that's, that's what I do most of the time. Right. On the Sociology 101 podcast, that's my debate page and the, sure. the Calvinism discussions and all the things that we do there, if that makes sense. Yeah, and isn't it kind of crazy how you can do these kind of big, important things, uh, like you said, <laughs> my, my real job, but then sometimes if you, if you get online, you have a podcast, you have kind of this ministry going, and it really touches a nerve, it just kind of takes, takes off. off. It well, looks like it's really taken off in the last few years even. Yeah, well, Keith Fowski, you had him on mm-hmm. earlier and talking to him. Same kind of thing. People know him for his funny skit <laughs> right. videos and stuff like that. They think, well, that's all he does. No, he's a pastor. I mean, he's and he a really good a, one. Yeah, a very yeah. great pastor. And he does a <laughs> lot of other things. So you, you can get well known for a particular niche or a particular thing you do. And that's kind of what's happened with Sociology 101. But I, I try to emphasize when I'm on the broadcast and other things that this shouldn't be such a, a, a myopic thing that this is all you ever talk about or ever do. Right. One, it would be really boring. I mean, you, you have to be, uh, you know, <laughs> pretty obsessed to only talk about this particular topic. But at the same time, it also is not good balance. I mean, yeah. you, if you're not doing your spiritual disciplines, sharing your faith, um, studying other topics and other doctrines and other things, um, then it does it can get where you're imbalanced in your approach. And so yeah. I have to feel like I have to say that when I go places because right. I don't want people to misinterpret my goal and my heart in doing what I do with Sociology okay. 101. So what was that journey like? Because mine's a little bit different to where I grew up. Uh, non-Calvinist and was told, hey, those are weirdos and heretics and was a closeted Calvinist for eight or nine years where I was, I understood the theology, I agreed with it, but I didn't want to tell anyone. I, w- I didn't want, you know, yeah. and, and kind of was afraid of it to where you, for well, close to 10 years, correct, uh, identified with that theology. Yeah. I, well, I was, and then uh, how'd you come out of that? Well, I was raised in a Southern Baptist, typical Southern Baptist, whosoever will kind of. Okay. Norm, yeah, and that, so that's what I always believed growing up, but I didn't know really what I believed about predestination, election, the okay. deeper doctrines. I just had a general understanding of belief that God loved everybody and everybody could be saved. I went off to college and was um, uh, introduced to a mentor who's still a good friend of mine, by the way, still have a huge amount of respect for him, but he introduced me to John MacArthur mm-hmm. and uh, R.C. Sproul and the Lingonier tapes, and I got at the table talk, you know, and all that kind of stuff. I got a couple hundred of those in my house. Oh, yeah, <laughs> and I, it took me forever. To, my wife was trying to get rid of this box of Lingonier tapes and table talks. I was like, still to this day, I'm like, no, right, I it's a little, yeah, need those. The attachment, <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, you have that. And I cut my teeth with, with Sproul and then later Piper. And um, Matt Chandler it was came a year after me at, at, at Hardin-Simmons, where I was, yeah. and I helped convince him of limited atonement. You're welcome. Um, <laughs> and so, Well, what happened now? I, now we <laughs> We don't claim him anymore. He's, I know, he's a well, little yeah, too. Yeah, nah, whatever. Kidding. Well, we're, we're, uh, everybody has a <laughs> reason. Him and Mark for Driscoll, what happened? <laughs> so, yeah, anyway, um, so all of that to say is that I, yeah, I adopt. I adopted at least a form of Calvinism. Some like Dr. White don't think I was really reformed enough. Maybe, okay. and maybe he has. That's a, our a, go-to. He has you know. a fair point. He has a if fair, you left it, you never were really right. Yeah, right? exactly. Yeah, you know, once, kind once of the a internal security. Once a Calvinist, always a Calvinist. Yeah, kind believe- of like, yeah right, right. <laughs> Well, and I, I probably wasn't the kind of Calvinist that he is, to be, okay. to be fair. Uh, I was probably more of a, a kind of softer, um, moderate kind of a Calvinist. Okay. Um, and, and, and granted, I was in my 20s when I was a Calvinist, okay. so there probably was a lot of cognitive dissonance with some of the harder issues that, you know, that we grapple with now in the, in the program that I hadn't ever really dealt with as a Calvinist. So it was one of those things like, 
yeah, that sounds plausible and good, and there's smarter men who have an explanation of it, and I'll go with it. Right. Kind of? Uh, yeah, um, it's kind of like the surrendering your sense-making to, to MacArthur or Sproul. I, I didn't yeah. know how to answer some of those hard questions, but I figured they would, and so I didn't feel like I needed to provide answers for the hard questions. And um, But I'm, I'm one of those kind of guys. I'm a theology geek. I like knowing answers to questions, so I'm right. not satisfied with, with that spot, and so I'm always looking for more answers. And I found myself getting close to my 30s, as I was studying, I was actually reading a book by Tozer, okay. um, and I assumed he was a Calvinist because he's smart, and all, all Calvinists <laughs> were smart in my mind. I was like, oh, Lee, he's smart, and Piper quoted him all the time. And so I just yeah, who assumed, needs a theology degree? Just ask a Calvinist a, a theological yeah, question, right? Exactly. He'll give you yeah, 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 exactly. two so, hours on it. He'll be so an expert. I, I just assumed that, that Tozer was a Calvinist, and I'm reading the knowledge of the holy. And it begins very clearly to I realize he's not a Calvinist yeah. and even begin to study on that and begin to find out actually he spoke out against Calvinism quite vehemently, in fact. Same with C.S. Lewis, another guy I had a huge amount of respect for and I just assumed he was one of us, you know. Yeah, but two still two great guys. Yeah, exactly. And so there was wow. a part of me behind the scenes that was kind of like going, why would these guys, as smart as they are, reject Calvinism? Are they just too emotional? Are they just not biblical? What's wrong with them? And I had, I had debated when I was in college, in high school, and you, you had to t learn to take on the other side of every, any issue. Sure. And, it was, and it was something I learned was a really great way to get real deep into your view. And I really started that process trying to firm up my Calvinism to become a better Calvinist. And that process actually led to the other direction where I was introduced to some thoughts and ideas and concepts that I had never dealt with before and that I couldn't answer from a Calvinistic vantage point very well. Okay. And so I became more and more disillusioned with the Calvinistic structure and systematic. Okay. Where I, where I would appeal to mystery before, I was none willing to do that anymore in some of the issues and some of the quandaries that were created on the negative side of the Calvinistic side because the positive side of Calvinism is fun. You know, God elects and sure. loves you and he's chosen you. You can talk about that all day long and it sounds great, but it's, it's when you begin to talk about reprobation, double predestination, the non-elect, the blameworthiness of those not elected, yeah. um, being born unable to willingly believe because of a nature they were born with, they can't control it. All these things are going, that didn't seem right. You know, there's something that doesn't sit well. It's a hard pill to swallow, even... Piper okay. says he wept three days when first introduced to it. And Sproul talks about being drug into the system, kicking and screaming, because they're acknowledging, I think, what most Calvinists recognize. It's, it's a hard pill to swallow. It's sure. not real easy. There's some difficulty And if there. they say it isn't, I, don't, I think they're just in a club at that point. Exactly. It, that, yeah. that is. And, 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 and honest Calvinists, intellectually honest Calvinists, will come out and write out and admit, this is, this is difficult, but you've got to be willing to uh, 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 take truth, even if it's hard. And yeah. so some, some Calvinists wear it almost even as a badge of honor because they'll even you know, argue that because it's so hard proves in their mind it must be right because the Bible's offensive. Right. And Calvinism is offensive. So maybe the Bible is actually teaching Calvinism. And that's kind of where I was for a long time. I, okay. I, I found it offensive, but at the same time, I figured, you know what? Hell's offensive too. And there's, by golly, right. God talked, Jesus talked more about hell than he did about heaven. And so sometimes things are offensive. And so I, had, I really held on to my Calvinism despite some of my problems underlying okay. the surface with it because of the, those justifications. And it wasn't until I went to a deep study and really found some of the other side of Calvinism and began to see the exegetical reasons that people would would read Romans 9, for example, differently. Okay. Because I didn't know how you get around Romans 9. I mean, good night. Right. It just looked like Calvinism all over it. How, how in the world is that not yeah. Calvinism? Yeah. I mean, like, like uh, what is it, Keith Hayes preached? Yeah. Uh, yeah. The morning. I mean, when, when you hear Kevin, uh, yeah. Kevin, sorry, Kevin Hayes, 
um, when you hear somebody that articulate, I mean, he is a great, great communicator. And sure. he just walks through Romans the way that he did from a Calvinist perspective. That, that's like MacArthur for me when I was going through it. I mean, I just hook, line, and sinker. I'm right there. How in the, how in the world can you argue with that? Yeah. But it wasn't until I really began to understand the other side of how a, Cal, a non-Calvinist scholar, not just the surfacey guys that say, let's skip Romans 9 today because it's too hard. Right. But the guys that are willing to go through it, once I understood where they were coming from, I go, it was like, for me, it was kind of like the same thing going into Calvinism coming back out. It was like a light came on, like, oh. Yeah. Who I, were some of those I guys? did it. Um, you remember, like, reading anyone in particular and going, yeah, this is the, on the opposite side of me, but... This is well, you know, the, you, there's the Adrian Rogers, uh, okay. traditional Southern Baptist perspective, yep. um, uh, Herschel Hobbes, um, okay. a lot of these kinds of guys that weren't real well known, you know, in, in the average circles, unless you were a Southern Baptist, you know, you yeah. would know those names. But, um, but there's, there, there, and there are many others. As a matter of fact, what's really crazy is that there are some even in the Reformed ranks that, in other words, that would still be claimed under more of a Reformed tradition that still had interpretations that sided more with the more provisionistic, for lack of a better word, traditional Southern Baptist perspective, but they would still say, well, we still believe in Calvinism, but this interpretation sure. of this text better fits this. this it means. Right. And so that, that made me kind of go, how in the world, how would he, why does he, how can he possibly still remain reformed Calvinistic and not see Romans 9 Right, because it's the apologetic for Calvinism. I mean, yeah. it's the it's the linchpin of Calvinism. And how can you side with our interpretation but still? Yeah, the hold. T-shirt right behind you. Wine them, dine them, Romans nine them. <laughs> exactly. Right. That's so, what we yeah, we love you, going if to. If you it. if you lose Romans nine, in my estimation, <laughs> right, you, you, Calvinism's lost. And so, at least at least in my okay, mind. Okay. So how long? So how long was this process of this, like wrestling with this? It was probably a good two and a half to three years. Okay. So, so it wasn't yeah, something it wasn't overnight. Wasn't, it was and, like and, you're and looking at. I was a closet non-Calvinist for a same while. Same thing. All right. So, so when going, I came, yeah, back out of it, I didn't. I, I liked being a part of the Calvinistic sure. brotherhood. I yeah. mean, Matt Chandler, like I said, a friend, Bodie Bauckham came to speak at our events. Mike uh, Piper came to speak at some of our events. And I felt like I was a part of the crowd. The sure. Charles Spurgeon, you know, the heroes of the faith. And yeah. Um, I was a card-carrying member of the Founders of Ministry for the Southern Baptist Convention, and um, I, I was a part of a Reformed Baptist church, and I, I knew, I remember how I used to think about Armenians, and yeah. I didn't want people to think of me like that, because mm. I, I saw Armenians as surfacy, you know, or even like even the Rick Warrens sure, all the of, cliches. The, of the world, like yeah. the Bill Hybels, Rick Warrens, Joel Steen, all of those those folks are seen as like real surfacy kind of topical. Yeah. And, and I knew how they were viewed by my Calvinistic circles, and that turned me off to the point yeah. I didn't want to come out and admit that I wasn't a Calvinist anymore. And right. so I kind of... I yeah, kind that's, of just, that's being real. I mean, yeah. that's, a, yeah, yeah, that's just, a pride thing or kind of like a, you know... Yeah. And so, I know guys in this group that would probably... They, they look to their peers and want to appear a certain way instead of pleasing God. Right, because I knew, I knew if I came right out and said what I was struggling with or what I believed... I knew how some of my buddies and some of my friends now, I mean, we, we contend over these issues, but I have some very strong Calvinistic friends Yeah. and, um, and they do, they did tease me, you know, and made all the you know, jokes about the things that we, we used to joke with Armenians about. Um, and, and I begin to realize it's not so monolithic as to have either this camp or that camp. There's a lot of in between, there's a lot of sure. nuance. And, and once I begin to, to recognize those spaces and, and, and I eventually went back and got my doctorate degree, and I and I ended up writing on the subject, which 
outed, wow. outed me, so to speak, um, as, as, a, as a non-Calvinist. But I didn't want to be called an Arminian because I'm a Southern Baptist. And Arminians, those are Methodists, you know. That's not my, that's not my crowd. And, and I did still affirm eternal security and, and still do. Um, and so there was aspects of my, my particular views that did not align really with Calvinism nor Arminianism. Okay. And I was more aligned with what was referred to by the scholars of that, that time anyway was more of the traditional Southern Baptist perspective. Is Which is where I want to go. So where have you landed? For the listeners, where, where are you at now? Because you're in a unique position to where you've kind of coined provisionism. And I'm like, man, us millennials, we've been trying to get that renamed for 500 years. That only happens every so often. It's kind of picked up to where you're now associated with that word, and you've created that. And you say, yeah. you, you say well, it's you know, there's traditionalism in there and stuff like that. But but now we're in this thing where we're talking about this P word now because right, right. because of you. And I'm not trying to puff you up or say you know. No, yeah. I'm just saying it's re- it's really rare to go. Oh, here we have a guy defining something clearly kind of rebranding renaming it and people going yeah i find myself there too right so so where are you at for yeah. the listeners yeah and provisionism wasn't something i wasn't like trying to start provisionism i mean it's not the way it happened you didn't go by the domain yeah, i was like no <laughs> and then I, the next I, day I, goes, I still don't own it yeah somebody came up to me uh, one of those young men that just walked by they said i'll sell to you provisionism.com because i guess he went out and bought them all hey and so I guess, he's, we're an he's entrepreneurial smart. bunch like, yes we are <laughs> Mr. Calvin is, uh, buying up provisionism.com um, somebody bought uh, Sociology101.net or .org or one of the, uh, the oh I got .com that, and, yeah. and, they, and they have it redirected to James White's website. Okay. <laughs> so, well, that's a little gamemanship. Yeah. All right. <laughs> so, but anyway, um, so I, really I was just more of a focus on God provides. Okay. So you can talk about how dead men are, how sinful, worm-like, viper and diapers, whatever you want to say about men. I, and I'll just reply by going, okay, but God provides for those people. And God provides okay. for all people. And so I don't think anybody perishes for a lack of atonement or a lack of God's desire in the, in, in, the, in the process. I don't think God creates people for destruction or predestines them to that end. Um, I, I think if somebody perishes, they perish because they refuse to love the truth so as to be saved, as Paul put it. And so the, the only reason anybody ends up separated from God for eternity is because of their choice, their rejection. So it's really more about, for me at least, the blameworthiness of the sinner. And I think they're more blameworthy if they're rejecting a God who loves and provides for them than if they're rejecting a God who first rejected them or a God that didn't really provide okay. for them. So I, I think they're more blameworthy on provisionism than they are on Calvinism. Now, I understand there are answers to that, and I'm sure you're sure. wanting to give them, but I'm just giving you kind of a, a over flyover. Of, for, well, for I, re- I really didn't want to get into that. I wanted to kind of introduce you to the listeners with a different perspective. Look, at, I've had guys on that came in and said anyone associated with Christian nationalism is a Nazi, and I've had <laughs> Sam Storms coming on defending, uh, you know, uh, Bethel, and so... And, yeah. and it's not, this isn't a gotcha podcast. I'm truly interested in this. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. what? Would, and we won't go too much longer here. But what? So for someone listening who might know these terms, what, they would go, well, there's there's Calvinists and there's Arminians. I mean, what is yeah. this third thing that he's introducing? How are you different? We know how you're different, maybe from the Calvinistic view. How would you be different from an, a, a purely Arminian view? And that's hard because. Just like Calvinism is not monolithic, as we well learned when we had our coffee and all the different views around the table <laughs> yeah. of you Calvinists. And uh, if you ever want to get off the, off the hot seat, just in, insert d- dispensationalism or eschatology. That was, a good, tr- that was or a good trick that yeah. you did. That's <laughs> so, a coffee, yeah. yeah. Yeah, you can get off the hot seat. We were stuck on that for 50 minutes. <laughs> yeah. but, uh, but what I'm saying is Armini- Arminianism is not monolithic either. There are different okay. kinds of Arminians, Wesleyan Arminians, True. classical Arminians, modern-day Arminians, all different uh, perspectives. But generally, the, the, the Augustinian grid is the, the grid that adopted the concept and idea of original sin, also including original guilt and inability. 
Okay. Meaning that we inherit the guilt of Adam, and because of that, we're also unable to respond positively to the gospel appeal or to the, the light, the goodness of God's revelation. We don't st- stay on that Augustinian grid. We believe that was introduced by Augustine, and, and we don't believe that that's the, the proper grid. Now, we're accused of Pelagianism and all kinds of stuff, which we sure. discuss on our broadcast because of <coughs> some of those views, and we defend why we don't land there and various reasons. But basically what we're saying is we're not born guilty for what Adam did. That doesn't mean there's not results of the fall. We're cast out of the garden. We're separated due to our rebellion. We're uh, in a corrupt environment with corrupt desires. But we're still able to respond, responsible. We're able to respond to the light and revelation calling us to repentance from that fallen condition. And so Though, and we're not guilty for what Adam did. We're guilty for what we do. We're, we're held account, accountable for what, how we deal with the words of God, as John 12 talks about, that he didn't come to judge the world, but what will judge you on the final day are the very words that I've spoken to you. And so we're going to be judged and held accountable not by how many sins we commit um, or what Adam did. We're going to be held accountable for what we do with the words of Christ. And so that that's the ultimate kind of overview of our view. We don't have an Augustinian grid, so we don't have to deal with original guilt causing inability by inserting this thing called prevenient grace into the mix going, okay, that fixed our inability. Okay. And so I don't have to have that, what, what might be called an inherited, an inherited guilt. Okay. And so, um, that would be a difference between our perspectives, okay. if that makes sense. And so as we finish up here, uh, who do you see your core audience are they rehabilitated calvinists are they <laughs> arminians wondering on the spectrum are they you know because i feel like is there anyone who's non-calvinistic even t- coming to you and going no i think you I, I feel like they would mostly agree with everything that you're saying so who do you see your demographic as that in in, in on the uh, sociology 101 channel there's a lot of ex-Calvinists, um, okay. and, and there's a lot of people, traditional Southern Baptists, that don't like what Calvinism has done in their churches. Okay. You know, r- the rise of Calvinism among Southern Baptists has yeah. been a, you know, a big controversy, so some of them are looking for answers, and, and a lot of them don't know what to do with Romans 9, for example, or they, they get some very good teacher like like we heard from Kevin, and they, they come into the church and begin to teach this, and they sound real convincing, but yeah. they're not Calvinists themselves, and so they don't know how to deal with it, so they come to the program. And you get some, you know, you get all types. Obviously, when you're okay. on a broadcast, you're going to get some, we've got a lot of regular Calvinist listeners that just like to be challenged. They like to contend with us, and they'll, they'll contend in the side chat, and they'll, they'll, right. they'll banter with us. There's some Arminians who agree with us on a lot of points, but maybe differ with us on a point or two. Um, so we have of all kinds uh, that, that, that join the podcast. And I get messages all the time from people who are convinced and, and have left Calvinism because of what we said, and then others that think that my theology is heresy and that I'm going to hell. So, I, I mean, I get all types. Yeah. All right. Okay, let's let's put bookends on this. Uh, Dr. Leighton Flowers, thank you so much for being here. Throw out to everyone where they can uh, find you, see you, follow you, all that good stuff. And if you're a listener and you go to that stuff, make sure you be nice. <laughs> Even if you disagree with them. Sotriology101.com. Uh, you, if you just typed in my name, Leighton Flowers. It'll all it'll come all up. Come, yeah, it'll, all, it'll link all the same. And you can also learn about my ministry with Texas Baptist as well if you do that. So, there you go. Yeah. All right. Thank you so much for being here and taking my, time. My Guys, thanks so much for listening to another episode of Dead Men Walking Podcast. DMWpodcast.com is where you can find us. And remember, the chief end of man is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. And God every, bless. And that's for every man.
That's right. Be sure to check us out at dmwpodcast.com where you can purchase the best and snarkiest merch on the internet, support the show, and leave us a review or message. Dead Men Walking can be found on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube at Dead Men Walking Podcast and on Twitter X at Real DMW Podcast. The Dead Men Walking Podcast is part of the Fight Laugh Feast Network. For exclusive show content, be sure to download the Pub TV app and become a member. If you're a business that needs to reach hundreds of thousands of potential customers in your demographic, podcast advertising might be for you. Send all inquiries to Dead Men Walking Podcast at gmail.com. None your biscuits.